0: Would you like to be part of the next generation of mindfulness meditation instructors? We invite you to take a unique opportunity to earn your teacher certification with Jack Kornfield, Tara Brock, and some of today's leading mindfulness meditation instructors. To get the training you need to guide others in their journey, visit BeHereNowNetwork.com getcertified get certified.
1: We receive a small percentage of however much you pay for whatever you bought. Nothing extra for you, but a tangible contribution, if small, for us. You could also sign up for a free trial with the voluminous audible.com. We get something out of that too. We thank you for the support and allowing us to continue presenting Krishnadas's excellent talks. Uh, can you just tell us about you and Babaji, how you met? Babaji in your life and
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. This is a picture of my guru Neem Karoli Baba So Neem Karoli Baba was a very unusual saint very unusual being He wandered around India Most of his life he had no home, no place to go uh, He had no temples Towards the end of his life they started building some temples for him because he People wanted a place where they could spend time with him. So he slowed down a little bit in certain places and they built temples there, and people would come to hang out with him. Um, I heard about him from Ramdas, who had uh, been to India, gone to India in 1967. Uh, when he came back in 1968, I met him, the winter of 68, 69. And uh, when I walked into the room where he was sitting, without a word being spoken, not one word, I walked in that room and all of a sudden I knew that whatever it was I was looking for in life was real. It was real. It could be found. It was essentially here on earth. It could be found. I didn't know. I couldn't have told you what it was, even at that point. Of course, later I understood that it was, in my words, the presence of my guru. He, he was on the earth. He was here. That love was here. So then, after about a year and a half of cruising around with Ramdas in the states, I decided to go to India, and that's when I, and I met Maharaji. It was an interesting moment because I had already been feeling him so strongly. Without having ever seen his being in his physical presence, I saw a couple of small little pictures of him, you know, black and white photos. There were very few pictures of him at that time. All these pictures that you'll see, most, 99% of them were taken by the Westerners because he let us do that. But he, up until... The last few years of his life, very few photos were taken of him. There was no publicity. He didn't advertise. You could never find him. He was traveling all the time. It was, when you needed him, he showed up. It was very unusual. And uh, so, when I first met him, it was... I, I had trouble squeezing this huge presence that I had been feeling into that little body, you know, it's like, wait a minute, you know. On the other hand, it was completely extraordinary. I couldn't believe it, you know, I was like, ah. But there was this thing also going on in me, like, wait a minute, you know. How do these two things equate, you know? How, is all this coming from that? You know, how does all this get in that little body, like, you know, it was very interesting, and it was extraordinary. But, you know, he, he used to, there's a word in Hindi called "jao," which means go away. He used to say, my mantra is jao." People would come. He said, good, you've come. Very good. Now go. He didn't let people hang out much. A very, a whole other thing. He didn't give formal teachings. But being around him. Was a teaching in itself, and everything that happened—the way he talked, the stories he told, the way he interacted with people—it was—it was just uh, cleaned our hearts. It was extraordinary. He would say something to one person, and you would realize that he was talking about you. You know, and then he began to realize that he knew everything. Everything, okay? I'm saying that. Everything. He knew everything. He knew everything about you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and me. Everything about everybody, past, present, and future. Right. Hard to believe. But absolutely true. And he showed us in a million ways. I mean, all day long, it was like, It was like a washing machine for your mind. Just being in that presence put you through so much stuff. Stuff would happen all day with this, the 10 or 15, 20 people sitting around, fruit being thrown in all directions, talking to this one, talking to that one. Stuff would go on. And it was one day I was sitting. We were sitting together, a group of us with him. And it was time for tea. And the cook came out of the kitchen with a bucket of, of these little clay cups and a pot of tea. And I saw him coming and I said to my I thought to myself, You know, I sh- I should help him serve the tea. And then of course I said, What? That's you look at you trying to promote yourself all the time. Just sit here and be quiet. What's wrong with you? No, no, I I, I wanna serve no shut up. Just be there. Sit you this is all your ego, you're just to the thing. But I want to serve the tea. Shut up, I told you, sit there and be quiet. Friend and Maharaj leaned over and he said, Would you serve the tea? This was happening all the time, all the time, though, really, all the time, for everybody sitting there. And on the other hand, if you asked a person, one of those people, to tell you about their day, you would not believe that that person was actually sitting next to you all day. They had a completely different day. Seriously. they What they described Maharaji doing and saying and everything... You wouldn't, there's no way you could believe you were actually sitting in the same room as that person. And there's a friend of mine now putting together a book. She got the diaries from a lot of us. Uh, and she's putting together, together a little book that I think is going to like show what a day was like with Maharaji from like, these 15 different points of view. And it's going to be 15 completely different stories. Except for the part where you get hit in the head with an apple or a banana. You know These beings, they work on a completely different wavelength. First of all, you've got to recognize one very important thing. All these great beings, all these so-called saints, Bodhisattvas, great yogis, they're here for only one reason. And that reason is that we are unhappy. They are not unhappy. They don't have any personal desires to fulfill. I'm talking about the real saints, not the ones, the saints in making, saints on the way. I'm talking about the real saints. They're here because of compassion only. They're not here because they need anything, they don't need to be here. But because we don't know who we are, they stay, they stay here to show us what's possible. Because if we don't see it, we're not going to know it's possible. If we don't feel it, we won't know it's there. It's a different experience being with somebody who doesn't want anything from you. Who doesn't need anything from you. Doesn't even need you to be there. Doesn't need you to be any different than you are right now. And still loves you more than you can imagine and could ever love yourself. Loves you just the way you are. Right now. With all the the yucky stuff hanging around in our heads, in our hearts. doesn't matter. The love is there. You feel it. You know it. And because of that, you begin to give yourself a little space to breathe. Your attitude towards yourself changes a little bit. It just happens. It's like a disease. You catch it. Devotion, love is really a disease, and you get it from the people that have it. So there's a, a very long story about how I met Maharaji and how I, the story, which I won't go into here because it'll take up the whole week, which we only have three days of. It was like your own heart waiting for you to come home. That's what it's like. And that's what it felt like. And our own hearts are waiting for us to come home. But we're just too busy right now, you know? (laughs) Later. I'll come back later. So, practice is about allowing us to come back to our own hearts, to really be who we are, to be the person we know that we want to be, to be that guy, that person. For
1: people who want to learn a chanting practice, is there any particular method you recommend? Any CD or, 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 or me- methodology?
2: What do you want to learn? You mean you want to chant or you want to learn to teach chanting? I just want to chant. Sing, just chant. People ask me that a lot. But they usually ask, how can I become a chant leader? You know, And I say, how the hell do I know? I have no clue. But as far as learning to chant or chanting, you just chant. You know, the whole thing is whatever you do is to do it from your heart. To try to do it from your heart. uh, That means with really connecting with it. You know, when you do it, really do it. Uh, Any practice you do, you should try to do it With, you know, 100% of your usual 3%. You know, when you're doing your practice, try. Just turn your phone off. Believe me, 10 minutes is okay. Five minutes you can live without your phone, without the email coming in. And just do, give a good five or 10 minutes. It's life-changing. And then turn your phone back and forget about life. Just be stupid the rest of your day. No problem. But when you're doing your practice, really do it. Try to give a good, try to really give yourself to it. Because the whole key to life and practice and living is the ability to give yourself 100% to whatever it is you're doing. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. That's the key to it all. So, in order to develop that ability, you've got to practice it one of these days you get to the performance so turn the phone off you know or at least put it on vibrate okay when i finish this round of mantras i'll look oh i was going to wait what happened you know you'll see you'll see who you really are <laughs> it's horrifying we can't do anything we have no will our wills are really scattered and and crushed ability to do something that we want to do that we agree to do that we're going to do the ability to really do that 100 percent, it's almost impossible for us at first i was I, many years ago i was sitting in the jungle with a very very old yogi uh, he was 168, I think, at the time. 63, or 68, I don't remember. Truly. One day he looked at me and said, You remember when Lincoln was shot? Oh, no, you, it's okay. You won't remember that. We read about it in the papers, she said. This guy, he was really that old. He knew people, grandfathers of grandfathers of grandfathers of his devotees, and they, they knew him all these years. So one day he looked at me and he said, You have to develop willpower. And I remember thinking, my first thought was like, what? What do I need that for? Uh, Yeah, really. And if that doesn't sound insane to you, I don't know. You have a lot of work to do. it, It seemed perfectly natural to me. And he saw that and he goes like this. And then he did something inside of me and he showed me what he was seeing in me. And I just went, oh, it was so horrible. I saw that my, my, my will was, I had no will. That I was tripping myself up every step of the way. Everything I went, wanted in life, I kind of wasn't going after it. I wasn't doing anything. I was kind of hiding from myself and my own desires. I wasn't going after the things I wanted. For whatever reason, I was giving myself. And it was really extraordinary moment. That's when I started to do some stuff that would develop my will. Like I took a vow, for instance, that I would do this particular practice every day. I would not sleep until I had done this practice. So there were times when I was just falling off to sleep. I'd force myself out of bed in a cold room and I'd stand on one leg while I did this practice. I, this is how you develop will you develop will by saying you will do something and then you do it no matter what excuse you give yourself you do it you don't let you you don't let yourself talk you out of something you yourself decided to do you think that's easy it's really hard just try it so this is one of the ways so i realized that the other thing i saw was whoa you know there's only one life going on here there's not like spiritual life over here and then worldly life over here you know there's one life my life and I was screwing it up royally how did I think I was going to make any so-called spiritual progress when I when when I was crippling myself every day by not going after the things I wanted on a daily in my daily life my so-called worldly life this, because I was, you know, it was like I was cutting the legs out from under myself. How did I think I was going to meditate? Bringing your mind to one point is the hardest thing you can ever do. It's way harder than anything you can do in the world, anything you could accomplish in the world. And yet, I was, even in the world, I was, I was messing myself up. How was, how was I going to ever learn to meditate or do anything like that? There was only one thing you want food, you pick up your hand, it moves, it grabs the food, it puts it in your mouth that's will. will is what directs us will is what our desires are what directs us, and will is what carries it out so not only wasn't I getting my worldly desires, but my so-called spiritual desires weren't being fulfilled either because they were the same they're based. It was the same person doing it, which I saw, which I hadn't seen clearly before. So that changed everything. It changed a lot because I saw it. I just saw it. Then I saw it. Once you see it, you're screwed. Plain and simple. You see it, there's no way you can forget you saw it. You can try, but you know you're trying. So it doesn't work. I think that moment actually was what led to me starting to chant with people. That was one of the first kind of openings that I had that led me to realize how important chanting was to me. It took a few years after that, but it was a beginning.
0: you always sing? Did you sing? Yeah, I always sing. So, would you would do you think if you didn't discover this that you would have sang professionally in another way or was unfortunately
2: you discovered- yes? I used to sing "Walking Home from School." I go, "There's a tree and the sky and a bird and a can on the floor and a tree and the thing and the sky." I would sing like the minutes going by. It was really strange. I remember that, and uh, yeah, no, I always sang. I I wanted to be a singer. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to sing, and here it is. I'm doing it. Couldn't be happier.
0: So, when you were just talking about the will, you said, "You know, your desires give you." I don't know what you said, (laughs) because it was a minute. If you don't
2: know what I I said, how the hell am I going to know what I said? You're supposed to be listening. I'm just talking.
0: (laughs) Anyway, you said something about desires. I mean, isn't that the goal? We're supposed to not be led by our desires.
2: Isn't that the goal when we're supposed to not be
0: led? Led?
2: Led by our desires. No, I don't think so. I thought
0: we were supposed to let it go, let, let it, keep letting it go, let everything go.
2: What you let go of is, is uh, unreasonable expectations. You're going to stop. What about the desire for food?
0: I don't hunger. know. Don't some yogis live without food?
2: Yeah? How many do you know? I don't know any. <laughs> okay, next. Let's live in, in the world here that we know, okay? What about food? That's a desire. It's a yeah. hunger, right? The body has certain hungers that are natural to the body. Breathing is a big one. Hunger is pretty big. Screwing is another one. It's part of the body. And if you try to cut off any of those things without uh, willfully, without a practice, you're going to get in bad shape. The first two, you'll die up very quickly. The third might take a little longer. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for bringing this up. Because of our neurosis we, we, un, we take spiritual practice to, and, and we turn it into a neurotic thing. If you can't get the things you want out of, on, in your worldly, daily, physical, emotional life, if you don't know how to live at ease in your own heart with yourself. What are you going to do? What could happen that's good? Where is some? Where is the spiritual practice going to manifest? Next door? In her? Or in her? and him? It's going to manifest in you. And if you don't feel at ease with yourself and your desires and who you are, you're already somebody, okay? You're gonna start chopping parts of yourself off because you don't like them or because somebody tells you something? Crazy. Really crazy. Working with desires is very difficult because of our unconscious, our unconsciousness and unawareness with them, you know. We just want and we go after it. We satisfy the desire, and then we want it again, and we go after it. But we don't really want, once you start to really look at this stuff, you begin to see, well, it's the feeling that I want, not the thing itself, right? And the more you go into it, you recognize that that feeling doesn't happen outside of me. It happens in here. So I'm using some external thing to get a certain feeling in me. Once you see that, you begin to understand a few things first of all that it's at the very least inconvenient at times when you want something when you you want to get that feeling but you don't have the object around that's going to give you that feeling that makes for unhappiness frustration sadness so the the reason we talk about, that there's talk about giving up desires is because they don't work, not because they're bad. But at the same time, you can't pretend you're not who you are.
0: Say you have a desire for uh, affection, which is kind of a a natural need, Everybody's not a real it. bad desire, yeah. but it's your desire, mm-hmm. yeah. and your partner isn't necessarily the kind of person who's going to be very demonstrative. Can I can way. I
2: ask you one question? Yeah. Why did you pick that partner?
0: Okay, I dunno.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Good, look, let's just start <laughs> right there. Yeah. Uh, I know
0: I know you were going to get to that point. Uh, well the, the, thank you. <laughs> the,
2: the, it wasn't a long way to go, was it? No. <laughs> but okay, but, we, but, wait just we'll go on. Right, go ahead. Okay. But
0: is is there a a benefit to my personal development to let go of that desire, even though it's not completely outrageous?
2: Absolutely not.
0: Or, or is that just... No, the only no. way
2: to deal with it is to go into it. And if this person is your partner, they also picked you, right? right. So it's like this. So you've got to find out what that is. What is holding you together? Why are you together? You have to become aware and conscious of these things. Therapy, counseling, all those things, absolutely necessary if you're going to find out what this is all about and what it's not about, okay? You have to deal with stuff on the level it exists. You can't up-level anything and intellectually without screwing yourself up. Look at the Catholic Church. Look at all those organized religions. There's that stuff is going on all the time in one way or another because they don't deal with it. You, if you don't deal with stuff, it's going to deal with you. There's no two ways about it. It's an absolute truth. There's many ways to deal with things. There are times when you would want to enter into a situation where you would you would be celibate, for instance. I was for three years in India. I was completely celibate. Because I saw how much pain was coming to me from relationships. I didn't know what to do with it. I couldn't deal with it. And every I kept picking the same partner who... I didn't I have problems with over and over and over again. So I said, okay, enough. I'm in India. I don't need to do this. Let's see what happens. I'll take some time off. That was useful. Unfortunately, I thought I was always going to be celibate. I thought I'd be a monk my whole life. Ha! <laughs> Talk about craziness. right? Maharaja just laughed at me. You know. He, anyway, he said, you'll be happy when you're married. I said, I want to marry you. He
1: went.
2: Ah! He said, "If you marry me, all you'll get is love. You won't get laid." He knew what I really wanted. So, we have to be honest with ourselves. It's not easy, you know. But once you're in a relationship, you know. Once I I was very much in love with somebody, and I was telling Mr. Tiwari, my Indian father, my great teacher, my best friend in the world, all about this woman and how, you know. Ah. And he listened very patiently for a long time. And then when I was finished, he said, my boy, he said, relationships are business. Do your business. Enjoy. He said, but love, love is what lasts 24 hours a day. Love is who we are. That's what's in there. That's what's in you, in all of us. That's our true nature. That's who we are. Underneath all the stuff, relationships are about relating between two things. Love is one thing, and everybody's in that. So, why, why the relationships? Or why are they so difficult? Because they're not really based on love. Love is not relational. Affection, friendship, kindness—all those things are relational. They're all good things, but in relationships. We have lots of problems. Start off with why you picked somebody who would be like this. He also picked you because you're like you are. So you're both fulfilling your own prophecy in a way, having very little to do with the other person on one level, and on another level there's a lot to do with them. So if you still care about each other, go to a counselor. Talk about this stuff. Try to find a way to squeeze some happiness out of this relationship.
0: Do you do counseling?
2: (laughs) If... God forbid. God forbid. And she has forbidden me. But really, you know, that's the wonder of it all. You really can work these things out, but it takes a tremendous amount of courage. Plain and simple. To face this stuff in yourself and open up to it with another person about who you really are and the feelings you have its really scary stuff. That's why a counselor is so good. Because that person, when I, once I started counseling with my wife at the time, right, and I said something, and she went, she blew up, right? So the counselor said, now, uh, so-and-so, uh, I'm not so sure that that's what krishnadas said. Krishna das, would you like to repeat that? And I repeated it word for word, inflection for inflection. She exploded again. The counselor said, no. Krishna das, would you repeat that again? And I repeated it. I had to repeat it three times before she actually heard what I said and not what she thought I said. It's very hard to do that without a counselor. Because by the time somebody blows up, it's a week later before they can talk to you. But in that setting, there's a possibility of getting down to the, the real stuff and, and untying some of those knots that have been come tied between two people, you know, and the walls that have been put up, all the unconscious deals we've made with that person to carve out our own space. You know, there's lots of stuff that goes on. And these people are good at that. They can be. Some of them are great. Some of them are just as big idiots as we are, and they have no help at all. So you have to see. I went to one counseling once with, one, with a girlfriend, and we went a few times. And I said, this is bullshit. Let's go find somebody else. We found somebody else, and it was like night and day. It was extraordinary. It was extraordinary, right? So you never know. You have to experiment. Experiment. But it takes, it takes doing, just doing it. And over time, it, your commitment to the desire that you have to be free of the suffering and to be, become that loving being that you really know you are, the amount of commitment you have to that, that's what will allow it to happen. And that's what I mean by practice. Practice. Good luck.
1: Thank you for listening to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. We really appreciate your support and hope you'll continue that support by going to mindpodnetwork.com slash kd and clicking on the donate button or using our amazon.com portal for all of your purchases. Thank you. Namaste.